0: Lou Holtz the college football hall of famer our guest on uh, focus on faith this week has a new book three rules for living a good life uh it's it's very easy I I am not a good reader it took me less about an hour to read it nice 75 page read a lot of positive stories uh, about football family and faith and uh tell you what uh Kevin, you, you've, you've grown up in South Bend. Uh, one of the major iconic figures, certainly, around these parts has always been Lou Holtz. Oh, yeah. And the, that 88 national championship game, I was a freshman in high school. So probably not more. There's no more impressionable age uh, for something like that. And I knew at that time I wanted to be a coach. Um, so, yeah, and. Un- Not that book, but every other book that Lou Holtz has <laughs> ever wrote, I have read. So I'm a huge fan of Lou Holtz. Unbelievable. And this book, published by Avi Maria Press, uh, Holtz 132 in his 11 seasons at Notre Dame uh, led the Irish to the national championship in 1988. We talk so much in this interview from his biggest regret while coaching at Notre Dame. He gets into great details on that. Also, he talks about how he never became a he almost never became a coach. Two different, unique stories where you would have thought, yep, that's not going to happen. And then there's a ton of stories about his faith, including how his wife Beth is doing and how she stays so positive through some very difficult times. We start by talking about his former assistant, Bob Davey, who the former Notre Dame coach, now the head coach in New Mexico, unable to make the trip up to Notre Dame this week. Here's Focus on Faith with Lou Holtz. In your book, you mention how it was your assistant coaches, players, and family that got you to where you are, your old defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. uh, Bob Davey has gone through some uh, difficult weeks, obviously, health-wise. How tough was it to hear the news of what happened to him, Uh, but also how relieved are you now to hear uh, he's expected to make a full recovery?
1: Well, coaches are always very special because you spend so much time with them, you get to know their family. Uh, When you have a difficult time winning – you think that's a real problem. Then you have a health problem. You realize that the other problems are really minor that can be solved very, very easily. We're very happy to hear that he is going to be okay. I'm sorry he can't be at the football game. I know that it will bother him, but he's doing what's in the best interest of the football team. I, I know my first game I coached at South Carolina was in a hurricane, and it was up at NC State, a place that I coached for, four years and we're fortunate to go to four straight bowls and that's when they were only seven or eight bowls. So I had great memories. Then you go back there and you look at the facilities and how much they improved them at NC State, you go Wow, this would be easy to recruit now. Yeah, well, he he would find the same thing at uh, at Notre Dame, the facilities and everything, because we were there under the Father Esper, Father Joyce era, and uh, we didn't have anything near what they have now. But I I know it have been very nostalgic, brings back a lot of great memories, and uh, we will miss him.
0: Absolutely, and we'll continue to keep uh, Coach Davey in our thoughts and prayers and hope uh, he is back on the sidelines soon. Uh, I know over the years, especially uh, 20 years ago, your your wife beat stage four cancer. I was wondering how she was able to get through that and, and how much your faith guided you, Beth, and your family through all of that.
1: I don't know how you get through anything without a faith in God. My wife is the most religious person I know, and I, I say that to you sincerely. Uh, just before we did this interview, I kissed her goodbye. She go to her Bible study. She and the neighbor would walk every morning, recite Bible verses. And There were two women in the neighborhood who were having some difficulty, and my wife and Dixie, the neighbor, decided to start a Bible study to help these two women. And today they had to cut it off at twenty-four. They meet every Tuesday. They've gone through every book in the Bible, etc. Uh, and when you have faith in God and you pray, that doesn't mean you are going to have problems or difficulties, but it does mean that you're not going to be alone and that, that He's going to guide you. And my wife is uh, having some serious problems and. Yeah, she, she had thirty thirteen hours of surgery 20 years ago and 83 radiation treatments, but created an awful lot of problems. And uh, right now she's on a feeding tube for the past year and will be on for the rest of her life because the, the, the radiation has closed her throat over the years and uh, she's on oxygen on occasion. But her attitude's marvelous. Uh, I, I cannot begin to tell you that... Uh, If you have a family, you pray together, we'll stay together. And our greatest accomplishment by far is not coaching, not TV, not speaking. It's my family. And I think we can attribute it all to the strong faith in God. Regardless, win, lose, or draw every Sunday, season, non-season, we would go to Mass as a family, then go to breakfast after. And uh, this is a tradition that my son in coaching still maintains with his family.
0: Well, we'll certainly keep uh, Beth in our prayers as well uh, during during this time. You mentioned her attitude, her positivity, and, and you spoke in your book so much about staying positive. But during times like that, it, it's not easy to do so. So how were you and how are you able to stay so positive in, in your journey through life, Coach?
1: Well, I think the faith in God and you never think about quitting. Quitting is a permanent solution, no temporary problem. You just try to look at the situation as best you can. You can approach it either, not, not the Pollyanna, but just that there's going to be a solution to everything we have. And the one thing I do realize, and every listener listening to this show understand, regardless how old you get, you're always going to have problems, you're always going to have difficulties, you're always going to have concerns, you're, you're never going to avoid it. That's part of life, it's not, Uh, you're going to be things that you worry about, but it's just part of life how you handle it, having the faith and being positive in how you approach it. There's a difference between being positive and being a Pollyanna. Pollyanna said, Oh, everything's going to be okay, and I don't have to do anything. I used to say that pray as though everything depends upon God, work as though everything depends upon you. And, uh, yeah, had a sign on my desk. I had a glass top on my desk, and I would put these sayings under it. One of them said, may God give me the courage to change the things I can, the strength of the things I can't. May God give me the wisdom to know the difference between the two. It's your choice. You have every 14, uh, I don't know, 200,000 words of English vocabulary, the most important word by far, is the word choice. And every day you get up, you, you've got to make different choices. And you can choose to act and procrastinate, believe or doubt, prayer, curse, uh, etc. But the main choice you make every single day is the attitude, how you're going to approach the problems and difficulties that the day is going to present
0: former Notre Dame football coach the legendary Lou Holtz is our guest here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays this is our focus on faith interview coach Holtz has a new book 3 rules for living a good life and coach uh, in that book you you spoke about uh, being born in the depression and having uh, you know living in a small home only owning one pair of pants but yet you described it as being born with a uh, with a silver spoon Uh, Not many people would describe that type of upbringing that way. What what made you decide to describe it that way?
1: Well, I I do not uh, exaggerate uh, the poorness of our family. My father had a third grade education and I was born during the depression, January 6th, 1937. And. We, I was born in a cellar by Dr. McGraw. I was not born in a hospital and we had one bedroom for my sister, myself and my parents. We had a kitchen and a half bath and a half bath did not have a tub, a shower or sick. There was no welfare, no food stamps, no safety net. We lived there for seven and a half years. And the reason I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth was because what I was taught, number one, I was born in this country. I was taught that if I learned to make good choices, not blame other people, get an education, work hard, and remain positive, then good things could happen. And uh, the book you just mentioned, uh, Three Rules, those three rules, if you follow them, you'll always make good choices. It's not complicated. We we complicate life, and we really don't have to. It's just basically common sense, and I don't know why they call it common sense, because it's exhibited so rarely.
0: <laughs> I was fascinated by one of the stories in there that, you know, you had no intentions of of going to college, and it was your high school coach that basically went to you and your parents and said, no, Lou should go to college and, and become a coach. Uh, c- can you imagine what your life would have been had you had he not encouraged you to go to college?
1: Well, nobody in our family had ever gone to college, a little graduate. And all I wanted was a job in the mill where everybody worked. I wanted a car, a girl, $5. I'd never had any of them. And I, I worked as well as played athletics and I was saving my money to buy a 1949 Chevrolet, and at the end of my junior year, my high school coach, Wade Watch, came up and told my parents that they thought I should go to college and be a coach. I'd never even thought about it before, and my parents thought, boy, that'd be a great idea, and I said, no, I, I'm not going to go. I have no desire to go, and. They said, I would go, and I said, I won, so we compromised, and I went. (laughs) That was a typical compromise with my parents, and they maybe used the money. I'd saved about 49 Chevrolet to pay for my college education, which was quite cheap then. I think it was like $180 for uh, a quarter of schooling, and uh, so that's how I ended up later I'm coaching at Notre Dame, and uh, if people remember, I bought a 49 Chevrolet when I was at Notre Dame, had it redone, because that was one of my goals. I was going to a 49 Chevrolet. But the amazing thing, we go to place under Cal in 86, and my high school coach had moved to California, and his wife called. Said, Coach Watts is not doing very well, and he may not live much longer. Could you give him a call? So I called him. I said, we're coming out there. Why don't you come to our practice or walk through on Friday and He came, And I said, would you like to go to the game? He said, oh, that'd be great. Can I ride on the bus? I said, as long as you do the same rules that you had when I played for you, you sit on the bus and you'd be quiet. Well, I get on the bus to go to the game, and he's in the front seat with me where my wife is. She, she ended up going back to the fourth spot. <laughs> in any event, that's when John Carney kicked the field goal at the last, second, and we won the game and the first person on the pal on the field was Coach Wade Watts So the next year I called. Him. I said, Coach, you've never been to Notre Dame, but you want to send you airplane tickets? Come watch Southern Cal Calhoun. For 11 years I was at Notre Dame, he attended every single Notre Dame Southern Cal game as my guest. And about three months after I resigned from Notre Dame, he passed away. But uh, he told my wife, and I didn't tell this, he said, when I said Lou should go to college, you'll be a coach. He said, I, I meant uh, high school. He said, I didn't mean Notre Dame. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in coaching.
0: Uh, but then the other wild story you tell was how y- you were about to turn down a, a grad assistant job at Iowa uh, to marry Beth, but then Beth turned you down. So you went off to Iowa, took the job, your coaching career you gets set off, and then you still end up marrying Beth. Can, can you you know, wrap your head around – how blessed you were to have things work out so well for you that you end up getting the the coaching career and the love of your life?
1: Well, if you want to make God laugh, you tell him what your plans are. But I got to tell you, I went to a Catholic grade school, taught by the nuns, of sister known Dame, and I've always had a very, very strong faith. I mean, at one time, I thought I was going to be a priest, and that's, before I found out there were such a thing as girls. But I was going to be a <laughs> priest and my mom was so disappointed when I decided not to. But I, I got out of the army and I I, I offered a job with well, a coach by the name of Earl Biederman uh, up near Cleveland, teaching history and being an assistant football coach I was going to get married to Beth. It was around July ninth, about nine thirty, she told me, she said She didn't want to get married, she changed her mind, she wanted to date her old boyfriend. Well, by 10.30 I had my good friend Nevis Stockdale, we got my 52 Ford Fairway, drove all night to Iowa to see if I could get the graduate assistantship. The reason I was offered the graduate assistantship, I never applied, they didn't have many then, but my college coach was in the Navy with Forrest Savashevsky and he called him and said, I'd like to have Lou see a big time program. And so that's, I, I go there. I wanted to get as far away as I could. And that's when Nevit made a great observation. I'll never forget the trip. He said, Beth and I had a love hate relationship. I loved her. She hated me. But I get to Iowa. We get the graduate assistantship. We finished second in the country. Bob Duffy, the local sports uh, writer, wrote up every week like I was a hero of it. And Beth worked at the hospital; so that's a right technician. My mother worked there. And she kept saying, have Luke called me? And I said, no. And I, I never called her, but she called me. And that's when women did not call men. Then. You never called a man. She called, one to come visit. I said, no, I'm too busy. She started crying. I said, someday we we'll, might we'll get married. You never know. And she said, July 22nd. And that was 58 years ago. We're still married.
0: Unbelievable! What a what an incredible story and what an incredible marriage you guys have had. Former Notre Dame football coach, the legendary Lou Holtz, is our guest here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. This is our Focus on Faith interview. Uh, you you spoke in your in your book uh, about the one regret you had while coaching at Notre Dame was that you built the program to a great level and then just maintained it. I, I was curious, what would you have done differently in those later years if you had the chance? to go back and, and do it again?
1: I, I, I think I would have been more firm in, in my convictions and in talking to the priest. Uh, I had a great relationship with Father Hesburgh uh, the whole time I was at Notre Dame and long after, and Father Joyce. But they had under made the stipulation. When I went there, there were certain things at Notre Dame that were not negotiable. And, you know, like we didn't take transfers, we didn't redshirt, we didn't have an athlete dorm, we didn't have good football facilities, and they didn't want to improve them because they didn't want somebody to come there for our weight room, they wanted to come there for our chemistry department. We're going to play the most difficult schedule we could find, and that we did. You go look at our schedule every single year, and when uh, Penn State dropped us, who did we pick up? Florida State, which at that time had a great program uh, but the the facilities and, and some things in admissions like at like Notre day one goal I had was to recruit every good Catholic high school in the entire country i thought we could build a dynasty but uh the the uh, admissions officer at the time kevin rooney we we had a young man out of uh i don't want to give his name but out of Juliet catholic another one out of saving nations in cleveland both high school all americans and we couldn't get him in even though they had over 1200 on the college boards and high class rank because uh they were like number 20 in the class, but the other 19 applied to Notre Dame, so they couldn't accept uh, number 20, according to him. And he couldn't turn down the other 19 and accept him just because he was a football player. There were things like that, that 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 really kept us from, you know, I feel, building a great dynasty. But you also get to the point where where you just try to maintain. You know, you, I was on my third athletic director, and that's always a difficult relationship, huh? I love Gene Corrigan, and, and to this day, uh, Dick Rosenthal's one of the best friends I have. But it just say things just should have just continued to say we, we need to build better facilities, we need to do different things, etc. But I never wanted to disrupt Notre Dame because this is what Notre Dame stood for. I remembered it under Father Esberg, et cetera, and they changed presence. They always have different philosophies, et cetera. But uh, we, we could have – I look back on it, and if I went back into coaching now, which I would never do, but I'd be a better coach than I've ever been before because I think I'd be more patient, but I'd have higher standards. I, I, I wouldn't get emotional, but I would demand excellence in everything we do.
0: The iconic Lou Holtz is our guest here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on our Focus on Faith segment. Notre Dame has not won a national championship since you led the Irish to one in 1988. You know, there are some people out there that are starting to think at this point, maybe the Irish will never win another national title. What do you think, Coach?
1: Nonsense. It could happen (laughs) this year. There's no reason Notre Dame should not win a national championship. Yeah, we won it in 88, but I want to tell you, uh, you look at 89, you look at 90, you look at 93, uh, and we, we we could have easily been awarded it, and I wish then it would have had the ability to determine on the field uh, rather than uh, in the news media by somebody voting, et cetera. But Notre Dame, uh, they just have so much fun. The facilities now are absolutely second to none. I, I mean, in addition to that, you can sign an athlete, in the summer, you bring him up there in the summer when it's beautiful. We could not bring an athlete to campus till we had his second six weeks grade his senior year. We couldn't even talk to him and guarantee that he would be able to come to Notre Dame because they wouldn't rule on it until they had their second six weeks. So, I mean, all these things, that schedule is so much easier. You're lucky to you play five ACC teams. Uh, Michigan State was, you know, perennial power, etc. cetera. But Notre Dame has an awful lot going on. I think Brian Kelly's an excellent coach. I think he's uh, he's been unlucky in two games. He's got them near the brisk. Come a, there'll come a time and they will break through. You tell me, everybody, tell me why Notre Dame cannot win it. Will you give me one example? Now you can say, well, We have high academic standards. Yes, we do. We're proud of that. And maybe we can't recruit 70% of the great football players. But I want to tell you the other 30% of the great football players that are students, also excellent students, would absolutely want to come to the University of Notre Dame because. Uh, of the values in the future. They look at it not as four years. They look at it as a 40-year decision in their life. So I I want somebody to tell me one reason why Notre Dame can't win a national championship. Don't just make a statement. Back it up. And I can't think of a reason that would keep them from winning it.
0: You you have me convinced for sure, Coach. I appreciate that. Uh, Finally, uh, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now that, you know, Maybe the last thing they want to do is, is read a book, but you know your book is such a quick read. I'm a slow reader; I finished it in one sitting. W- what's the message you want to to put out there to to anyone listening right now about what it takes to to live a good life?
1: The the message is, is really quite simple. Life is nothing better than making good choices. Wherever you are in this world, good or bad, because of choices you make. I would tell the athletes, you choose to do drugs, drop out of school, join a gang, get tattoos from head to bottom, get arrested, run with the wrong people. You're choosing to have difficulty in life. And please stop blaming me for the choices you make. Wherever you are and every listener, whatever happens because of your choices, not somebody else's. And the way you always make good choices is by following three rules. Number one, you do what's right. Never right time, do the wrong thing. Never wrong time, do the right thing. Rule number two, you do everything the very best of your ability. Not because somebody's looking or gonna applaud you or pay you, you do it because that's the way you live. You you can pay people to perform, you can't pay them to excel. There has to be something deep down inside of you make that choice. I want to be the best I can be. Not everybody be all American. And everybody be on conference, everybody can be the best they're capable of being. And the third rule is show people you care. You're never going to meet anybody again. It doesn't need a smile, a kind word, a encouragement. Why do we have to wait for somebody's funeral before people say good things about them? And you follow those three rules. You build a trust with people. You build a commitment to excellence, and you build a relationship. But if you build love in an organization, you run a team. It can't be beat. There's no way possible. So those three rules enable you to make good choices. And you're right. I mean, it's a simple little read. You don't need a dictionary. There are no big words because I don't know any big words. But I, it is basically common sense.
0: Well, Coach, uh, I appreciate that you you cared enough to to spend some time this morning with us. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, we hope you have a great uh, rest of uh, football season.
1: Thank you, and go Larry.
0: The legendary Lou Holtz, Three Rules for Living a Good Life, published by Ave Maria Press, is the book, and uh, he, he could be a priest because uh, I'm inspired uh, – there's so many thoughts that can run through your mind after that that interview. What were some of yours, Kevin? Well, again, as a young boy, he was one of my heroes. So it was just neat to hear, I guess, from a different perspective now, being an older uh, and a father, just how cool um, his personality is. And again, I look forward to reading that book, but his focus on the family and faith and uh, being positive just really resonates with me. Yeah, the, the, the fact, uh, the story is about his wife, you know, she, Beth now being on a feeding tube, but mm-hmm. yet she's leading Bible study um, and staying positive and, you know, Lou staying so positive in so many different avenues of, of his life. Um, uh, you know, I felt better about myself after reading his book. I, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's true. Um, he's, we understand why he was such a good coach because. So inspirational. He's very inspirational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can tell he's still bitter about how we uh, how his <laughs> the time facilities ended. just a little <laughs> about how <and> in admissions. <laughs> admissions. I mean, indeed. not to mention the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he threw the guy's name out there after 30 years. So uh, yeah, so uh, you can tell he still has uh, he's still not happy about that one. But uh, great interview, and uh, we would like to thank uh, Coach Holtz for for taking the time to uh, to to do this interview he heard it was for the catholic radio station in south bend and he uh he knew he uh he felt the need to, to do it and we, we thank him for that so uh coach Holtz, what a legend indeed and you can pick up his book three rules for living a good life published by ave maria press again it's only like 80 pages a uh, short read and uh very inspiring
1: does debt have you down are you
0: worried about your credit cards your mortgage or keeping your car Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can help. Our people are trained to be financial physicians. They can give you
1: a checkup, help you to heal, and then stay healthy. Don't be embarrassed, it's why we exist. When your body is sick, you go to see a doctor. When your finances are sick, you go to see the friendly folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits?
0: Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes, Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, every Wednesday at noon for his weekly show, Truth in Charity. On each episode, he joins host Kyle Hyman to discuss key issues facing Catholics in the diocese and beyond. Then he answers questions submitted by listeners. If you would like to submit a question, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash askbishop. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.